At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. So the last time I got together with Ilya Martinovich and Matt Waxer, we had a five minutes to be a better tech episode and we discussed ways that we can just be better within a few minutes here and there. Now, we got back together on this episode to discuss apprenticeship training and the journeyman apprentice relationship. Really good heart to heart conversation, very open, very honest. I think you guys will enjoy this one. So stay tuned, listen up. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast and I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group and they are suppliers of York equipment, Source One parts. So I just grabbed a York furnace today, an 80,000 BTU two stage, and I convinced the customer to leave the one inch filter behind, right? And then put in a proper media filter and proper media filter cabinet that is sealed way better. And there's no there's no bypass around the filter in these types of cabinets. I shouldn't say no bypass, but there's very minimal bypass. A lot of times when you just slide a pleated filter into uh, a sheet metal cabinet, there's a ton of bypass, a lot of dirt and, and particulate goes around the filter and it ends up back in the airstream or on your secondary heat exchanger or on your, on your, your a coil, so on and so forth. So anyway, source one general air media filter kit. I threw it on Merv 13. Love it. Check out master.ca. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas, a company that provides blue collar industry, blue collar uniforms. As I've mentioned before, they have that kind of traditional navy blue collar that they have on a lot of their shirts. It's actually the same exact color that I chose for my shirts for McCready HVAC. They got Carhartt stuff. They have uh, wash programs where they'll wash their uniforms for you and, and drop them off. Uh, stretchy, breathable, comfortable stuff. And it's all within a program that you can rely on from a company that's been doing this for a very long time. So check out Cintas. Uh, landing page is cintas.com forward slash HVAC and know it all. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, gentlemen, we're back for another discussion, the three of us here, and, and we can call this a roundtable, if you will. And we're going to talk about apprenticeship training, like how it used to be and how it is now. And but, you know, let's start off. You guys are the first interview of mine uh, in 2023. So, I mean, let's start off by saying Happy New Year, Ilya. All the best, man. 2023. Thank you, Bagaria. Happy New Year to you and a Happy New Year to Matt. And Matt, congratulations on your big win. Uh for the solder weld, the hot block. Thanks, brother. It's uh, you know still shocked, still processing it all. Uh, but uh, before tell that, us about it, Matt. Matt, Matt, what did you like for the audience, <laughs> that, members that don't know what 
what happened? Like, what did you win? Like, how did you win it? Like, you know, I, I, I do my own contests and stuff. So I, I try not to enter other people's because I don't want to win stuff when I already kind of get stuff in, in, in partnership with manufacturers. So I didn't enter that contest to be a hundred percent honest. So tell me how it went and, and, and like what you did to, to win and what you won. Yeah. So, uh, this past year, uh, Lance from Solderweld, uh, Mike Flynn, known as Flintstone One on Instagram, uh, they partnered up for kind of like a Willy Wonka golden ticket um, giveaway. And uh, they put Mike Flynn's logo on tubs of uh, Solderweld Hot Block. I think there I got, was... Yeah, I got that part. I got all that yep. Willy Wonka, him on the, the tub thing, which I thought was kind of cool. But after that, I didn't really know how it how it operated. Uh, so how it operated was, uh, if you were lucky enough to find a tub, uh, which I found one out at Noble Ajax, uh, one day picking up material, it's, you took a, you know, picture or did a video of you using the product out in the field that got you entered into the, um, grand prize draw. So you got, uh, right off the bat, you won a custom sticker package from, uh, Solderweld, Subco and from Mike. And then uh, the grand prize, I don't know exactly how they selected the winner, um, but uh, they selected me as their grand prize winner, which um, basically through the entire year that I had the tub, I was just posting uh, me using it at work and uh, little different uh, things here and there to try to advertise the product out in the field and, uh, well, from my home table. And the grand prize was a uh, all expenses paid trip from my understanding to this year's uh, AHR Expo and to the HVAC Tactical Awards which is going to be absolutely awesome down in Atlanta and for uh, kind of a changing of the guard uh, this year's contest was Mike Flynn's uh, logo on the tub uh, next year's contest it's going to be yours truly on it Oh, so wow. you'll have Look the uh, HVAC doctor logo on uh, some solder weld hot block tubs. Look at you, man. Look at you. Elia, you jealous? Elia is putting his name in for the year after you then, right? <laughs> Damn right. I, yeah. I don't know, but it might be some conflict of interest there. So I'll see. I'll see. But it's a cool win. That's for sure. All right, cool. Well, congratulations. Happy New Year. Let's Let's kind of get to where we want to go with this. And before we do... We're gonna. We decided a long time ago. For the audience's sake, we have been planning this for now, uh, what three months? This this interview of training apprentices or how to train apprentices or, or whatever the title of, of this podcast ends up being. We've been planning this for a while, but we've had like couple couple sicknesses and and colds and stuff, and and nobody wants to talk through a, a flu and cold and hacking all over the the microphone. So we're here now. But what we want to do first is we've all decided to take a a shot of something here, right? For for the we'll do it for the gram, everybody, right? <laughs> so for me, I I don't drink liquor very much. I'll drink beer in the summer and red wine maybe in the winter, but I've got a bottle of Glenlivet twelve year. Uh, it's single malt Scotch whiskey, and I'm just opening it for the first time, and it's friggin' tight, man. That's what she said. Yeah. And have to crack that open with a little knife. There's a. Or do they have okay. a little tab I'll, on it? That's okay. I'll edit out my my uh, my weakling um, attempt to to open this. Jesus Christ! I should have been prepared. Here we here go. Here, I thought you had some Scottish roots in you, Gary. Here I go. There we go. 
Well, it's even a little cork. All right. What are you guys drinking? Oh, you want to see what you're drinking on there tonight, Ilya? Uh, well, it was the only thing that was open in the liquor cabinet. I'm going with some St. Remy French brandy. Very nice. Awesome, well, guys. All right. Happy all right. 2023. Oh, Matt. We're sorry. going I with. Thought, uh, oh, yeah. You told no us worries. off air. Sorry, man. I'm getting. <laughs> exactly. We're going with a little uh, Lot 40 Canadian rye whiskey. You boys. All ready to go there, boys. Ready? Happy Cheers, New Year. Happy, happy New 2023. Year. Happy New Year's, guys. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's going to burn. Did you just spit that yep. out, Ilya? No, no, no. I got that. <laughs> I drank that. You had a spittoon already on the side to get rid of it. All right. I have to well, lean it. I have to lean over to put it on the table. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, that that, that burns real nice. Anyway, um, nice and warm on the inside now. Oh yeah, I feel toasty on the inside. I feel all nice and <laughs> nice and golden, ready to rock here. Uh, so apprenticeship training. I mean, I've talked about it before on the podcast. Many times, I would say over the course of the, the the podcast life over the last four or five years or so, and I entered the the trades in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, and it was still kind of old school back then. Not as old school as like maybe like the 80s and the, and the 90s themselves, but still old school with that boot up the ass mentality was still kind of the way to teach apprentices. Uh, but back then we had an abundance of people coming into the trades, it seemed, and you could treat someone like, like shit. Right. And if they left, someone else would be ready to take their place and another person. And you just kept, you just kept the right ones until they, they took enough of the, the, the shit. Like, Oh, this guy obviously is a keeper because he takes all my shit and all my abusive training. I'm not saying all the training was abusive, but there was some abusive training. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on, I'll start with you, Elia, on any sort of abusive training even if it was physical or just just mental abuse thrown at you um even if it's just a mild form of abuse i mean hey hey like effer over there go get me my tool bag type thing i mean that that to me is still a form of abuse unless it's done under the context of humor and you guys are buddies and you're joking around so i mean what do you think Elia? well definitely i uh entered the trade in uh 98 um but before that um, I have two other brothers and my dad is a master carpenter and does everything. So, uh, growing up in that household, it was whatever your dad said you did. And, mm-hmm. uh, and being the expert that he is, uh, it was, you know, you had to live up to that standard and there was no messing around. If we were working with him, there was no messing around. If he said, you get that hammer, you get that hammer, you get that two by four, you marched, you know what I mean? Like you ran, yeah. there was no, there was no dilly dallying. It was like, you go. I told you to get that. Go. And yes, sometimes there would be an explicitive in there. You know what I mean? Get that effing hammer, get that wood or, you know, hit that harder or get moving. Stop talking. You know, this is not a holiday kind of thing. Right. And so working with my dad that way, it actually, I think, prepared me to get into the trade. Right. Now, being my dad, it was never abuse. It was like he told us what to do and everything that he was been through taught us that, you're there to work. You're not there to screw around. Okay. You're there to learn. If you don't know, we'll show you. But when it's work, it's work. It's not a holiday. So having that um, work ethic and being taught like that, I found that, okay, 
when I'm doing something, I'm doing it to 100%. I'm not going to give anybody any reason to get mad at me or pissed off at me, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I grew up that way that when you're working with the older person, the senior tech or whoever it was, it could have been not necessarily my dad. I worked with many of his uh, cabinet makers and stuff like that. And when they said something, you just did it. That was it. Mm-hmm. There was no fooling around. So that's the way I entered the trade. And when I started off where I'm at now, um, there was no abuse, um, but it was it's sink or swim. You're going to learn how to swim. Uh, you're going to learn how to do this. And it was like, here's the manuals, read the manuals, understand what's going on and get at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I get it. And, and having a father that kind of gave you, because obviously your, your dad had a work ethic about him and he knew that when you entered into the workplace, you would need to have that backbone and that mentality entering. So yep. it's, it's a good way to get your your son, your, your daughter, whoever you're teaching ready yep. for the workplace by ex- making sure the expectations are in line at a young age. And Matt, you were talking about how y- you were working, you're doing woodworking as well before you enter the trade and, and a, <laughs> a nail, nail gun incident getting shot yeah. at your ass. <laughs> um, so not my father, uh, but a family member. So my uncle is a master carpenter, well, was uh, before he had to retire. Um, so you know, I started working in the carpentry field in my early teens, um, if not, you know, like 12, 13 years old, cleaning up job sites for him. Uh, shortly thereafter, you know, when I'm like, say, 15, 16, I'm framing houses, so I'm doing custom cabinets with him. And it, it similar to Ilya's situation, it it's not really abuse, but it could be misconstrued sort of in that manner um, where, yeah, there are harsh words said when you're not pulling your weight, when you're not living up to the standard of the person you're working for. Yeah, there can be some harsh words thrown your way, but you need to have somewhat of a thicker skin to realize what is the message behind those harsh words. And yeah, there was a few times where there were nail gun incidents uh, my uncle was deadly, deadly with his aim on a nail gun, on a trim nail gun. And there were times where I would walk out of his shop with my boots filled with like 22 gauge nail pins just because I wasn't listening at the time or I wasn't doing what was required. And is that, you know, abuse? Some people may argue, yeah. Is it tough love? Damn right it is. Yep. Is it, you know, something that molds you to take you know, harsher words from people on site. Yeah, it builds a thick skin. It builds the trade people that, you know, we kind of are in our generation. Mm -hmm. That, you know, in lack of a better word, if we didn't have that kind of not, you know, super hardcore, you know, things thrown at you and you constantly degraded um, training, then, you know, we wouldn't be the mechanics we are. You have to have a little bit of, shade thrown your way at times and it has to be done in a a constructive manner uh probably not in the exact same manner we had back in the day but some shade thrown your way to you know get you to pay attention to hey i'm not doing what i ought to do you know this person who is you know my superior my boss the you know journeyman that journey woman that i'm working with 
they're actually my superior. I need to listen to what they're saying and do what's asked of me rather than, you know, we're on par at the same level. Yeah. It's funny be, uh, it, with, uh, with my, uh, with my story, it was, um, it was always come back to, well, you better learn with me before you learn when you get out into the field. Right. You know, yeah, your dad can flip out at you or your uncle can flip out at you or whatever, but it's done in a form of a lesson. Right. And it is, it's easier coming from that. And if you're able to learn and they're able to get across to you and say, okay, yes, I was harsh with you, but here's why you cannot act like that. When you get out into the real world, into a job, right? It's not going to, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to get fired. You're not paying attention. You're not doing what you're doing. You're out of there. They will find someone else. You're expendable. And I think learning from my dad, let's say, or Matt, like from your uncle that, okay, you know what? I'm going to learn the tough lessons here. So when I do go out there, I can impress whoever else I'm working for at that time. And I think that's what that hard love is. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably similar for Ilya um, when he was you know, working with his father. When I was working with my uncle, any time where, you know, say a harsh word or a harsh action was uh, directed towards me, it was never around a customer or, you know, really around any other tradespeople as a means to put me down. It was a means to teach a lesson. And it was done so in a fashion that it, you know, it doesn't, you know, show to other people or other clients that, you know, they're treating other people in a harsh manner. It's meant as a lesson, not as a way to, you know, make someone less than or degrade someone in front of others. That is completely uncalled for in that situation. I'm thankful for all the lessons. There's there's no one can convince me that what I how I was taught was a bad thing. I would not be what I am if I did not go through those hard times and those hard lessons, no other person than your father or say your uncle to teach you that. I mean, they'll teach you the right way and then they'll pull you aside after or when it's on coffee break and that's gone. You have a coffee together, whatever. And on the ride home, it's like nothing happened. It's when you're at work, you're at work. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no fooling around talking about what you did the other night when you're supposed to be holding a ladder or holding a two by four properly or something. You know what I mean? You're there to work. That's all. Yeah, I, I've had similar experiences with with my father growing up. He always would say, "If you're gonna, if you're not gonna do it right, don't do it at all, or uh, do it right the first time." Now, because he was my dad, and because there is, he's not an employer or an, my uh, yeah my employer, and I'm his employee. Obviously, there's a family dynamic there. There's there's a different kind of relationship. So, I would say. I grew up with that mentality like you guys just explained. But when I got into the workforce and I had a, a boss that grew up very hardcore himself and was kind of hardcore um, as a person as well, my hand didn't get as bitten like it did when I first started the trade. Like I would, I would, my hand would get bitten quite a bit. Like I do something that wasn't particularly right. And I was dealing with it in ways that I had never dealt before coming um, with harsh words. Um, I mean, there was some times where I would say that was borderline abusive in my in my head. But at the same time, I'm sort of glad that I, I went through it as a person, because it allowed me to grow um, mentally, mentally get stronger, grow a thick, thicker skin, because that thicker skin, that mental growth is only going to help you in time. If you shy away from it, and kind of 
turtle and, and don't go back the next day and keep going back and keep going back, you're not going to grow, I don't think, as a person. And if you don't grow as a person, how do you grow as a tech? How do you grow as, as anything more than just being a helper? So official launch date, January 16th, has passed for the Navac NTB7L. That is their battery-powered tubing bender. Very cool stuff. A lot of polarizing comments online when I posted about it yesterday. I'd ex- uh, like, I wouldn't expect anything less, to be honest with you. It's a new tool. And with new stuff, there's always polarizing comments. It takes a while. I mean, the, the flaring tool that Navac came out with a couple of years back had the same type of comments around it. Now that thing is on a lot of text wish lists because it does such a good job at, at making flares. The ones that have it, love the thing. Anyway, RLS guys, Paul Schubert, he's a leader in the industry. He's the president of RLS. Tagged me in a post showing a fitting that was leaking. Now, it wasn't the fitting per se that was leaking. It was where it was pressed. You can't press on a stamped piece of pipe. Like if you press on the stamp where it's indented into the pipe, you can't press here because it will cause a leak. This is just part of knowing the, the ins and outs of press and the prep work that goes into it. There's an app that RLS has in the app store and Google play download. It's got a lot of information. If you're interested in looking a little bit further into press itself, we keep getting some great info passed down from JJM alkaline technologies around condensate neutralization, because we know, as we've been discussing that high efficiency heating appliances generate acidic condensate that can corrode out metallic drain systems, right? It's just the way it is. I've proven this to myself. I've proven that we bring our water back to alkaline from acidic, running it through one of their neutralizers at my own home. And the pellets inside can be washed and cleaned up if you're still producing alkaline water rather than acidic water through the thing. And it's something that we can give to our customers and, and maintain on a regular basis. And part of our maintenance program, which leads to more, uh, it leads to more money uh, per job, right? And that's what we want to do is we want to make more money per job, but actually providing a service that's valid, right? A valid service. Anyway, check out their website, JGM Alkaline Technologies. Just Google them. You'll find it and check out what they're all about. Really? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't have that thick skin, um, developed, you know, other people on the site are going to see that. Oh, and for sure. And, you, and, and you're, you're going to just be walked of. over. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You'll be taken advantage of. It's like, walking in, <laughs> it's like walking into a penitentiary and everybody <laughs> sees that you're a weak, weak little dude and you, and you just kind of shrivel up. You're going to get picked on, right? And, and everybody else is going to see that. And Ely, I liked what you said about the follow-up. I mean, if somebody turns around out of anger, out of emotion because their apprentice or something is doing something wrong, and maybe that person themselves is having a bad go at life. Maybe they're going through... Um, something at home, maybe one of their their kids are, are are sick or something. You know what I mean? You don't know what that person's going through. And if they lash out, but then circle back and make it right with that apprentice and go, listen, sorry, um, I lashed out at you. Here's the reason why. And I want you to know why I got angry and upset with you so you can learn from that mistake. But if you just lash out and you don't circle back and explain to them why, and you just keep lashing out and lashing out and lashing out, you're going to look like a lunatic. No one's going to want to work with you. And you'll be labeled as as that angry technician, that angry old, uh, grumpy old school guy, right? And unless you do that follow up and sit them down and say, "Here's why I got angry, and here's what you can do to fix that," right? Yep. 
it's a, it, I'll give that back to you, Elia, because I was t- talking about how you explained that. Going from there and even now where we are with techs, it's, it has to be a two-way street, right? Uh, the senior guy has to want to teach and the young guy has to want to learn. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the senior guy, he just rants and raves and shoots and like goes nuts, it will not help anybody. It will not help anybody. And so it has to be a two-way street back and forth. It has to be a bit, little bit of give and take. And you're right. If if the senior guy, he's just the one that's just always on you, on you, on you, and never explaining, neither of you will get anywhere, right? That no. young guy, he's going to want to leave. And that's and no one's going to want to work with the senior tech. He's just going to get this bad reputation of no one wants to work with him, right? So mm-hmm. I think you're right. You ha- they need, there has to be an understanding. There has to be a reason and a way of coming back around and saying, okay, this is what's happening, right? And that was with my father. It was always like, we're here to work. We're not here to fool around. And I will never forget one, story, one time because I was holding a ladder while he's going up and my older brother was there and we just started talking and not even paying attention. He just came down the ladder. He goes like, are you guys done? And he just gave us this look and we're like, okay, yep, sorry. And the, the, the chatter stopped, you know what I mean? And, and we went back at it, right? But um, we knew, we knew we we crossed that line. We weren't paying attention. We were not being safe. We were not watching what he was doing. But he didn't have to tell us, he just came down. He told us with his face and his words. And after he's like, you do realize I'm on this ladder. I do need you to hold this. You can't be fooling around while I'm up there and not paying attention to what I'm doing. So yes, being able to come back around is very important. Yeah. And um, sometimes, like you said, that body language and that stare, that's, that's all you need, right? From, from once you know that person and you know um, what they're thinking, that look, that, that body language, that positioning of the hands, whatever shoulders, it's really all you need. And, and um, Matt, we're going to come back to you because we've talked about ways that we were sort of brought up in the trade, the ways that thickened our skin and, and things that we kind of went through as, as, as younger people. So going forward, how, what is the best in your mind, what is the best approach to, to train an apprentice now? Is there, should we scrap that, what we just talked about altogether and create a new method of training? Or should we combine sort of some old school stuff with some new school stuff and take the good from both and, and develop something that way. What do you think? Uh, ultimately, I think it's going to be a mix of old and new school, uh, whatever we want to label as new school training methods. Um, there's kind of a tradition that still needs to be honored in our industry. And certain ways that you know we were trained, you want to call them tough, love, you want to call it whatever. Um, everybody's going to go through something that they consider to be that. And the appropriate thing for the mechanic to do whenever their apprentice is going through one of those times is to make sure that they're also there for that apprentice. If the apprentice hits that proverbial brick wall that they can't get past, make sure that they're there to get them through that, get them up and over that wall so that they can get that next learning hurdle done and under their belt, it's going to make them a stronger apprentice, a stronger mechanic moving down the line. Now, the stuff that we went through in terms of, you know, phrases thrown at us and actions thrown at us, looks thrown at us, can that be done with apprentices these days? Depends on your apprentice. 
depends on the working relationship you have with that apprentice. Everybody's different. Everybody you train with is going to have a different way that you're going to be teaching them. And you've got to adjust your training methods for the person that you're working with. You know, because just because I have, say, a good working relationship with one apprentice and we can, say, throw what people might say insults at each other in a friendly manner because we have a better you know, working relationship, we just click personally, doesn't mean I can do that same thing with another individual. Another individual may have to just be straight on the point of this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. Go ahead and give it a shot. And if you run into any questions or problems, just let me know. I'm here to help. Whereas another person, you might be able to throw a, you know, a few swear words or cuss words at them uh, while they're doing it because you have that relationship with them that you can do that. It's not meant to degrade them or, you know, bring them down at all. It's just a, you know, friendly kind of work relationship you have ongoing, if that makes yeah. any sense. Oh, yeah. Perfect sense. hundred percent. Ilya, so do you agree with, do you agree or do you want to add to that? I, I want to agree. To, I agree to that. And I want to add to that. And just what Matt is saying is hundred percent. I think when I was, when I started, it was like, get thrown in the water. That's it. Uh, now with the younger generation coming up, I've, I've learned that the best method that best, best method that I have is just as soon as I meet them, get into the truck, I lay out exactly what I expect from them and what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Hey, we're going to do this. This is what I expect from you. Okay. Phones are away. We're not TikToking. We're not doing videos. We're not doing this. We're there to learn. We're going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you everything that I know. If you have a question, ask. If you, I've even told, I've even told some of the young techs. I said, look, if you think that I'm doing something wrong or there's another way of doing it, tell me. I would rather do it easier and better than just sit there with your hands in your pocket and don't say a word. I figure, I find that if you open up to them right at the beginning and explain what you expect from them and what you're going to do in return, I find that it works a lot easier. This open communication is back and forth. You have to give them that platform to let them feel free to talk as well, not just sit there and be scared. You have to open up to them. Yep. And giving a platform like that also sets on a certain level that your coworkers, that on a certain level, you're equal. So you want to hear their input back. If there is a way that they think that something could be done better, please tell me. I, just because I do a task a certain way doesn't mean it's the one and only and best way to do it. Please tell me how you think it might be able to be done better. And mm -hmm. if it's a way that I've already done before, hey, we're going to talk about it. Awesome. You're thinking about different ways to do something. And I'll say, no, I actually tried it that way before. It actually didn't really work out that great. But hey, let's give it a shot right now and see if yeah. I have the same issues with that method that you're thinking about trying out. Before I forget, I, I think opening up is is a major factor in creating a bond a relationship in, in a and i'm going to ask you guys about about actually being friends with your apprentices in a minute but creating a a bond that's professional is is really key because when they open up and they feel like talking to you and they're not going to get their head snapped off actually can benefit you as the the lead technician on on the site not and here's why i've been working with an apprentice and i'll be like okay you stand and watch me and you do um, your thing, um, just absorbing what I do. And if you have any questions, let me know. So I'll be working and they'll say, well, wait a minute, 
aren't you supposed to do that first? Because they remembered that from the last job or a couple jobs ago. And I'll be like, man, yeah, we are like, my head's obviously not thinking you're sitting there being a sponge. And you're you're looking and observing and you actually caught that, which impresses me now. Now, like now my trust level of that person builds because I allowed them to speak to me without saying, Oh, no, 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 like just just being that grumpy old tech that goes, no, 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 I'm doing it right. Don't worry about me. I'm doing it right. But saying, oh, man, like, wow, I, you caught that. And that's impressive to me. And anytime you see me doing something that I might just my head's in the clouds or something, and I'm just kind of going through the motions, always tell me because we are better as a team than we are as as one. And I just wanted to throw that out there as you guys were talking about being open with your apprentice. The example I always use with the, my apprentices or the guy I'm working is that you guys all have seen the, the TV show Mayday and the airplane disasters, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always a pilot and a co-pilot. And there's been many accidents where the co-pilot has noticed something, but because of seniority, they, di- they were too scared to actually speak up and talk to the captain and the plane goes down in flames. I always bring that up with my apprentice and say, hey, look, if you see me doing something or if you think there's an open up and it gives them that 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 freedom to open up and talk and I, like i said you've said it gary and matt that's the most important thing is once you get them and give them that little bit of freedom and let them express themselves it is a lot better for everyone yeah for sure okay so let me ask you this about friendship i'm going to start it off like this i because I, I can see how being a like friendships being a friend with someone that's that's over and beyond a, a co-worker relationship where you're actually buddies with somebody on a job site. I'm going to tell you how I think that can skew your, your trainings a little bit. And, and I think we've all fell into this at some point. There was an apprentice that was always late at the company I used to work for. I'm not going to go name names, but they were, they were late a lot. And it's funny because they were actually supposed to go one day to Ilya to engineered air and, and pick something up for me to work on an engineered air. And they were supposed to be there at like 7.30 in the morning to be on site for like 8.39 or whatever because it wasn't near the site. And they were just getting out of bed at like 9.30 and heading there. And I was really upset because we had a full day of work ahead of us. And he showed up with the parts at like noon. And I was not, him and I weren't friends because we didn't click that way. But when he got there, I'm like, if this guy's not putting in the effort, I'm not putting in the effort to train him. So on that roof, I had noticed for a couple of years, like every time I'd walk, oh, there's there's a, a wire nut moret or something over there. There's a piece of wire over there. There's a bit of something on over there. I'm like, you know what? Take this box. I want you to go and pick up every screw, every piece of wire, every connection you see on this roof and bring it back to me. I said, that's your job for today because that's how upset. I didn't yell at him. I didn't, I didn't scream. I didn't call him names. I just told him that's his job for today. And he understood that that because he didn't put in the effort to be on site on time, that that was his job is was to do something that really didn't, he didn't gain anything from, right? At all. So he oh, was, I, I beg to differ on that one, though, that he didn't okay. gain anything at all. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't, I, he didn't, he didn't learn anything in the way of technical for what we we're supposed to do that day, right? He didn't learn what we were doing that day. And then maybe the next time he could help out with it. All he learned was he screwed up. And when you screw up, you don't get to participate in the manner that you should be. That's what he learned, I guess. That's a very valuable lesson as well. Yeah. That's a yeah. lesson that has to be learned during an apprenticeship. There are going to be days where, you know, circumstances happen where you're going to be late. You know, whether it's out of just laziness of not setting an alarm or let's say you get stuck in traffic trying to meet your journey person, 
there, if it's the first case, I don't have any time for that. I'm not going to put up with someone who doesn't have the drive and initiative to show up on time, show up ready to work and ready to learn. Sorry, go find something else to do. If you have a circumstance where, say, you know, you got out of bed on time, you're trying to get into work and something happens beyond your control, say, you know, traffic accident happens and you get backed up and pinned for two hours in a traffic jam and you forgot to call and you eventually get to site. Well, there's going to be a talk about what went on and why you weren't there on time and why, while you were sitting in traffic, you didn't pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm pinned in traffic. I don't know when I'm going to get there, but I'm on the way. There's certain things where, you know, you just got to be there and show up. And if you're not going to put in that work and ethic, don't expect to be trained. Don't expect to learn the craft. Don't expect that people who have put in that time, that have put in that, you know, drive and effort to do what we do to teach you. It it just isn't going to happen. And people are going to pick up on it. You'll be weeded out. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is now leading into now this newer and younger generation where they've grown up with no consequences. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. There, there's people don't know how to say no, and and that's a big problem. Or no one's allowed to get in trouble anymore. And so you get a guy rolling in whenever he wants. Okay, you know what? It may have worked for the first portion of his year, but once you get into that real world. It doesn't fly. It doesn't fly. And there will be consequences. That, 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 that has to be. It doesn't matter. You don't have to berate them. Nope. You can do exactly what Gary did. You know what? Your job is to pick up garbage all day today. That's it. Now, if the guy is smart, he'll realize what he learned. Like what you said, Matt. If he's not, it's going to continue on. And then you have to make a decision on what happens to this person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Being friends with a coworker that you're training, I, I think that can be a difficult position in, in, a, in a way. If your friendship is just at work, then maybe not so much. But if your friendship grows outside of work, which can happen in a lot of cases where like you're very close, you have a lot of things in common. Maybe your spouses meet one day and they have a lot in common. You're like, hey, we should all go out for dinner one night. And then and it just continues as this thing where you're you're training this apprentice or he's under you for the whole time you're working with him, maybe gets past the apprentice stage, but he's still under you and you're still um, his superior, still his uh, lead. Now, if he screws up big time and continues down this, this trend of screwing up, and you have to now discipline this person, but the same weekend, you're going out to dinner with, with him and his wife and your wife or, or whoever that you're going out with, that can be a difficult position. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, it's a good absolutely. thing I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's you got to also learn to set the boundary between work time and after work friendship. And let's say hypothetically, Illy and I worked at the same company, and uh, you know we were hanging out for many a year after work, and. There was an instance where, you know, we were on a job, I screwed up royally, and uh, Ilya had to discipline me. As an apprentice or as a mechanic, would I be, the natural human tendency is to be a little ticked, a little miffed, um, a little hurt, possibly. But you also have to be that kind of person to realize that, you know, 
I made a mistake. There's consequences for my mistake. And that discipline at work stays at work. It doesn't move beyond that. It doesn't impact a friendship down the line or moving forward. And I think you have to have that talk somewhere. We all know when, okay, we're becoming more than just coworkers. Now we're becoming friends, right? We all see that line happen. And I think if you're the senior guy, uh, you do have to pull apart and say, hey, man, what happens at work stays at work. What is our you know, friendship outside of work is another thing. And if I say something to you, it has nothing to do with anything outside. This is strictly to do with what's happening at work. Again, I think the biggest problem when it comes to training is communication, is communication, communication. You have to be open and out and explain everything that, again, from what you expect from them, what you're going to do. And this falls into your question, Gary, about friends. Yeah, you know what? We may be friends outside, but on the work site, it's different. And we have to do the job. We have a job to do, and that's it. And if you do something wrong, I will let you know. And if I do something wrong, you let me know. There has to be that line drawn in the sand. Has to be. If not, it's like going into business with your family, right? What they say, you never go into work uh, business through, through your family, right? Why? Because no one knows where to draw that line and it becomes a problem. So I think it's the same thing here. You need to draw that line in the sand and say, hey, work is work. Outside of work is another thing. Mm-hmm. Biggie's got a rap line about never going into business with family. <laughs> I don't know if I can repeat it on here, though. <laughs> um, so I had a friend that uh, was good friends with a coworker, and this coworker was always screwing up. And the friend who was a good employee, very smart, he was like one of the top guys. This is not even HVAC. This is a this is skilled trades industry, but it's not HVAC. And uh, he kept standing up for his friend, sticking up, sticking up, sticking up. And his friend kept screwing up and screwing up and screwing up. And he was putting himself on the line because this person that he was actually responsible for training kept screwing up and he would always cover his ass. And every time he was about to get fired, he would talk them out of firing him. Do you think if you're training someone that's your friend, do you think that's that's got to be a tough position? But uh, we'll, we'll, Matt, we'll go to you, then we'll go to Elia. Would If somebody that was your friend was screwing up this much at work, would you continually cover for them? Or would there be a point where, you know what, I'm sorry, man, you're my buddy, but I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't cover for you anymore. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the latter of those options. There's certain things that, you know, could get covered up. Um, and so long as the person learns from them, great. But in this instance, they're not. And there has to be, you know, to steal a line from uh, someone, a line drawn in the sand. Unfortunately, there are certain people that, you know, despite their, you know, best intentions, just aren't going to get the trade that they're in, whether it be HVAC, whether it be plumbing, whatever skilled trade it is. It's not a career path suited for everybody. And if they continually make big mistakes that jeopardize a job being done or even more critically jeopardize their health and safety, sorry, I don't care what my friendship is. Professionally speaking, you cannot do the job. It's going to be a better thing from a friend saying like, hey, I know this is going to be hard, but you got to go find something else out. You got to go find a different career path. I'd rather, I'm not, if the shoes were reversed, I'd rather it be coming from a friend to me saying that than say someone that I don't have any 
you know, out of work friendship from it, it kind of softens the blow a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ilya, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I agree with you, Matt, hundred percent. If my boss came to me and said, you know what, your buddy over there, he's not working out. I would say, okay, well, what's the situation? I would talk to my boss, see what's going on. And I would say, okay, I will go talk to him. And what is the next step? I will talk to him now and see what happens. And I would tell my friend or my coworker at that time, and say, hey, I'm going to stick up for you this one time. Here's what's going on. But if it happens again, I'm not putting my livelihood on the line for you. If you can't get your act together, okay, and take this seriously or, you know, learn what you need to do, I will not put my livelihood on the line. I'm sorry. There's my livelihood. There's your livelihood and our friendship. And believe me, if I don't have my livelihood, we're not friends. You know what I mean? So that's where I would get that line. I would, again, communicate the best as I can. But as soon as my livelihood becomes a problem or uh, is at risk, I should say, that's where the line is drawn. Yeah, no, it makes makes total sense. Well, one key thing that Ilya hit on with the newer generation was, uh, please, cell phones away on the job. You're there for work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, there will be times where you need to bring out your cell phone. Uh, whether it be to pull up a manual, whether it be to, say, reach out to somebody on social media that you may have a working relationship with, to ask them a question. Uh, But you're not there to be making videos. You're there to be learning. You're not there to be going through Snapchat and Tinder, TikTok, Facebook, what have you. You're there to learn. If you're putting your attention into your phone when you should be putting your attention into the task at hand and learning from your mechanic, and good things aren't going to come your way. You got to put that effort into learning what you need to do on the tools. Yeah, good, good, good point. Yeah. And a side note for, a side note for that, Matt. So I, I'll speak for myself and I'm sure you as well, Gary and Matt as well. We only make the reels that we make when the job is done. Or Instagram, yeah, absolutely. Right? We only or, the, or, the or, videos or, or, or we while make. the job or while the job is ongoing. Phone, <laughs> click, <Never>. play. <laughs> well, only when the job is done, where, do we make the reels. You know, during the course of you know, say a repair or a maintenance or a commissioning, there's certain things that you need to take pictures and video of, just for yeah. your actual work reports. And. To Ilya's point, yeah, some of that stuff can be used later for posts or for reels or what what have you. Um, for like little videos and walkarounds of a unit, that's done after the job is done. Once you've successfully finished your work, that's when you can take a minute, maybe two, just to make a quick little content video. Yeah. Well, I'll I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that one a little bit, guys. Because... Unless it's unless it's educational, like Gary. Uh-huh. Yeah, like I turn, I turn, I turn my phone on, and while I'm working, and I just have it on record, and and I'll watch it later, and and see if if there's anything in there that can be used as content. But a lot of the times when I do that, I'm trying to explain something, and when I'm trying to explain something, I'm going through it in my head like I'm teaching somebody that's in front of me, and that kind of it's like what do they say? If you drive to work a new way every single day, it kind of enhances like your brain activity, brain function. If, if you're explaining to yourself how things operate when you're working on it, you're almost reteaching yourself in a way to stay sharp, right? And a lot of times I'm, I'm doing that while I'm creating content. So, 
But for for a young kid, a young tech, I mean, they're not going to be teaching anybody. But I mean, at the same time, I do see phones away if they're not being valued w- within the trade. Like like Matt said, reaching out to someone like a help button that you know somebody online that lives in another state, another country, another province that is an expert in that field and and you know them and they could help you within a couple of minutes. Yeah, then I'll, I'm all for that. Reach out and use it as a tool, right? To better yourself in the industry because a lot of tools now are on your phone. So when you see a lot of apprentices sitting there doing this, it doesn't mean they're always playing a game. They, they could be reaching out to somebody. They could be on a, an app with a calculator. You know what I mean? They could be looking at a manual. There, there's all kinds of things an apprentice could be doing on their phone before you yell at them and say, hey, put that phone down say, what are you doing on your phone right now? And if they show you and they're doing something productive and it's learning and it's researching, whatever, then then I think that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if they're not taking selfies with duck lips, that's a problem. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the new generation of technicians, communication is key. And I think it's always been key. It's just been the communication doesn't, seem to always be right. And I think we just got to get it right by with our explanations, keeping our emotions in check and letting them know that we are open to discussion and letting them know that we are opening open to them pointing out our faults, right? As, um, as, te- as technicians or, or even speaking to the customer, hey, you said that when you talk, we're talking to the customer, did you mean that? I mean, that's all open game for me because that's going to help me elevate my game, right? when people are pointing out my flaws and making me accountable. So accountability is is key, but communication is also key and and doing them together so it's it's open back and forth I think is is one of the goals we should strive for when training or when being trained. Cuz I know there's apprentices listening to this. Picking the proper time to do that as well. There there are proper times to have that open discourse of uh you know back and forth about, you know, things done right, things done wrong. And there is a time where the apprentice needs to recognize that they need to remain quiet, remain silent, stand in the background. So talking to an end user, talking to a customer, nine times out of 10, it's going to be the mechanic talking to that individual and the apprentice will be standing by. While they're standing by, listen to what your mechanic is saying to that person. Because you're going to be in that spot in a couple years, you know, whether it be you know a year, couple months, five years down the line, it's another learning opportunity, and it's not a time where you know the mechanic nor the apprentice should be pointing out you know things done wrong or you know problems they had on the job site. It's a discussion between again the mechanic and the end user saying this is what we got done. If there were any problems. The mechanic will have a appropriate way to say you know, how we're going to resolve those issues and come back to fix it. It's not really a, a point at that time for the apprentice to chime in. Yeah, you don't want your apprentice running out to the customer and going, "He fried the motor. He fried the motor." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, no, got, don't say. He let the smoke out of how many control boards today? <laughs> the magic smoke. The magic smoke. I think one thing. Uh, I found that really works and helps is uh, uh, the last couple of apprentices that I've had is I've told them to get a notebook, pen and paper, and to make notes as we're on the roof. This way, their phone is away, right? They're paying attention and they are making notes. 
what was the issue, what was the, what we did to resolve it and, and go on from there. So they actually create their own little Rolodex of troubleshooting for themselves. So when they are on their own and when you give them that goal and say, Hey, you know, in a year or so you may be on your own. This is a good way to remember what we, um, what we did to resolve an issue. And for the last couple of apprentices I've had, it's actually really, really worked. And there's one guy now has been out there for about four years and I bumped into him again and he still has this little book that he keeps filling out. He keeps, yep, this is book number four already that he's gone through. So that helps with getting the apprentices involved. Give them a sense of being, give them some importance on what they need to do, right? So that helps them keep them engaged, I guess. Yeah, and and you know what I want to, so we're getting close to an hour here. So I, I want to say one thing and I'll give you guys your, your last thoughts. I think it's amazing when you get an apprentice and you teach them and they learn from it and, and they, they take that information and they value your teachings. And through the years, you, you see them again and, and they're doing well. I, I think that's amazing because you know that you had part of, of, of that. Um, you were part of that uh, apprentice moving through their career, right? Even if it's small, whatever, big, you were part of it. And I, I think that's special on its own. What's even more special is if you're able to create a bond where you are friendship or where you have a friendship, you are friends with the apprentice and you, you've had some rough times together, uh, maybe telling them how, how it is and, and, and having to tell it harshly at times. But years later, you meet up and you smile and you shake hands and you hug and, and, and everything's all good. And he appreciates or she appreciates what you did for them through that whole time, even though there was times where the, the relationship might have been rocky professionally because you had to discipline them. I think because I've, I've, I've got a few people that they'll call me up out of nowhere and people that I trained. And it's like, man, it was just like I was training them yesterday, the sound of their voice. I mean, the way we talk, the way we get along and hearing the, the lingo they use and what they're working on today and go, man, I remember when I was teaching this guy how had a braise. And now this guy is working on these friggin' hundred ton chillers by himself. I just, I think that's such a good feeling. And I think that any technician out there that's got years and years of experience that doesn't share their knowledge is being selfish. I've heard too many people say that, oh, if I teach them, they're going to take my position one day. I think that's the most selfish thing that you can do is hold on to knowledge that someone else taught you out of the goodness of their heart, even though they might've been getting paid at work. If they took time to teach you some other things above and beyond what they were doing that day. I think it's only fair to give back and, and teach those same apprentices something so they can go on and, and be good techs. And, and like I said, you get that good feeling at the end of the day when you meet them 10 years later and, and they're doing amazing for themselves. That's, that's kind of how I want to wrap this up. And I'll give you guys last thoughts, Elia. Oh, I agree. I think that's the best feeling in the world. I, I still get phone calls from uh, techs that have left our company and are going other places, and they call me and say, hey, Ilya, uh, what's going on with this? Have you bumped into this and stuff like that? Even guys that say don't work on uh, the equipment I work on, they'll call me up and say, hey, this is what's going on. What do you think? And if I'm able to give them the answer, and they call me back in half an hour, and they say, um, uh, yeah, that was it. Thanks for helping me out. Uh, knowledge is power, right? That's what they say. Knowledge is power. So being able to distribute that knowledge to people, I think you get a bigger high out of that when it comes back to you and say, Hey man, I appreciate you teaching me that. I mean, that's the best feeling in the world. Matt, you agree? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and to kind of hit back to the point you were making, Gary, 
the uh, the technicians that didn't want to share their knowledge, that don't want to share their knowledge. It's not only, you know, just absolutely ludicrous and asinine in my mind. It's just the idea that if I share knowledge to somebody that jeopardizes my job, it's just a toxic, cancerous mindset to have. It's, you got to have the exact opposite. I want to share all the knowledge that I have. And I'll freely do that with anybody that shows the desire to want to learn it. And whether that is an apprentice I'm working with, whether it's a mechanic um, that I'm working with, whether it's some other mechanics that are working on the products that I work on. Heck, mechanics across the United States have reached out to ask for help on certain things on equipment I work on. And paying forward that knowledge, like you guys have said, that's an absolutely phenomenal, amazing feeling. You, you can't beat it. Holding on to knowledge? Nah, don't do it. It's pay it forward. And the way I view it is, if I can teach you what I know, then I don't necessarily have to be the one to always have to go and take care of that issue. There's now another person who knows how to go and do what I knew how to do. Yep. All right, boys. Well, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, we'll we'll wrap it up on a good note because we're all feeling special about how we <laughs> we helped all these apprentices through our career. So, guys, thank you very much for for getting on with me. And uh, I mean, it, this took a long time in the making to get on, but we'll do another one um, very shortly. I think sounds good. Sounds awesome. Thanks again for having us on, Gary. It's always a pleasure and a blast to come on. Good to see you guys, man. All the best in the new year. Likewise, guys. Man, that was a good conversation. A great conversation, actually. I love to get people that are down to earth and are thoughtful and educated. I love to get their opinions on things like this because it really helps me. Uh, it helps me learn. And the conversations, I'm hoping, help you guys learn as well. So we pass that information on as techs, right? And, and I hope you guys pass the information on too when, when you learn some stuff and you don't hold it back and you train like you want the other person to succeed that you're training. Anyway, guys, that's it. Thank you to the master group. Once again, I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.